Hi, my name is Annie Grossman, and I'm a dog trainer. This podcast is brought to you by School for the Dogs, a Manhattan-based facility I own and operate along with some of the city's finest dog trainers. During this podcast, we'll be answering your questions, geeking out on animal behavior, discussing pet trends, and interviewing industry experts. Welcome to School for the Dogs podcast. So I am here with Adam Davis. Uh, Adam, why don't you introduce yourself with your official School for the Dogs title? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Annie. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Um, yeah, my name is Adam Davis, and I am the off-leash manager at School for the Dogs. And what, is, what does that mean? So pretty much, yeah, so pretty much we have these really cool services. It's called uh, our off-leash services, right? Um, Pretty much, uh, it sounds exactly how it sounds. You get to come into the school and allow your dog to be off-leash in a highly controlled and constructive kind of way. Um, our services are great for, um, you know, people... And, and, and to, be, to be clear, yeah. the, the owners are there. Yes, yeah, owners are there. You're there with your dog. You're talking to other parents. You're talking to the, to the trainer that's there. Um yeah, we definitely want people to be involved with their dog, especially when it's in an off-leash kind of setting. And we have two different kinds of yes services. Which yes, are... we do. Yeah, we we have the puppy ones, which are you know you come in, it's puppy playtime. You get to learn a little bit about how dogs communicate to one another, when to give breaks. Um, really, really valuable. I would suggest this to anyone that has uh, that has a puppy. It's so valuable to have our puppies socialize in a highly controlled manner. Um, so that's the puppy side. That's the cool. That's the that's the the baby side, right? And um, um, then we have schoolyard, which is a little bit of a step up. It's for dogs that are 20 weeks and older. Um, very much a similar kind of structure, but a little bit more laid back, I would say. So schoolyard is really great for dogs that you know want to be social, that can take, uh, that can you know communicate well, that can take communication well, um, and and it's for a great space for them to be able to come and socialize in a highly controlled manner. This is for uh, this is for adult dogs. Well, not really adult, but you know, you very non-puppies. Well, some of, some of them are adults. We have some. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think part of the reason it's <clears throat> maybe like less controlled, as you say, is because it's um, I mean, puppy playtime often it's Often it's someone's first time there mm -hmm. with their dog, whereas schoolyard, we have people who come, I don't know, almost every day of the week for years. So oh, yes. They don't mm -hmm. need as much um, as much instruction. And um, and so why don't you talk about like the process of getting into schoolyard puppy playtime, of course, is open to. Yeah, yeah. Who've had, who've had at least their first round of shots. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, schoolyard, there is a little bit of an evaluation process, right? I mean, we don't just allow every single dog that we've seen to be able to come to schoolyard, right? I mean, we have to make sure that it's a good fit for not only, you know, their dog, but for every every attendee that's there. Um, so there is a little bit of evaluation process. So we do test out, you know, uh, can the, can your dog disengage from another dog? You know, how do they greet another dog? Do they greet another dog, you know, 
full uh, jumping on top or, 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 or maybe being a little intense or maybe do they run away a little bit when other dogs greet them? Uh, there's a lot of um, signals that our dogs give us that, you know, through, um, through just really experience and knowing really what to look for, um, you can kind of gauge whether a greeting is appropriate or not, right? Um, so we, we love to, you know, that's that's definitely part of the criterion, being able to greet, being able to disengage. You know, we don't really look for fine tune behaviors or perfect behaviors right no one's perfect no dog's perfect uh but we really want to see as a dog that is um excited to be there that actually wants to play and can follow some light instructions especially for their first time right although interestingly when we named schoolyard part of the reason we called it schoolyard rather than like open play or the like was because we wanted we wanted it to be a place where dogs could be off leash, even if they didn't want to play. Like, sure. Oh, that too. Of course. Of, like, exist, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we definitely have those, those dogs. I could, I could name a few that would just rather people watch, but dog, the, the dog walk, uh, dog watch edition, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And it's great for those dogs to be able to, to socialize and, and, uh, instead of going to a dog park, right. It's usually those dogs that are bullied a little bit, um, where they may feel a little timid or a little shy. And you have some pesky young dogs at the dog park, just not really, uh, not really listening and not, and not, uh, not catching those signals and disengaging. Well, it's also right. cool because it's like the owners are learning all the time too, of course. Sure. And they can, they they can often um or I don't know, step I in like, they could step in but i also think like we work with people who understand that um their dogs don't have to be like jumping around and touching the whole time in order to be getting something out of the experience oh like, exactly even if the dog is just like kind of hanging out and watching in the corner that that's there's still a value there of the dog oh definitely for the dog Absolutely. Yeah. So it's re- really exciting. Love doing it. Yeah, I started started working at um, uh, School for the Dogs about, well, more more than a year, a year, a year I want to say a year and three months now. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. November. Um, yeah. November 5th, 2019. Um, so why don't you, why don't you... Um... Tell us about how you that your preschool for the dogs, <laughs> your preschool for the dogs life. The yeah, the, sure, the G-rated version. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there is there is definitely a little bit of a um, of, of an um, background in and just working with dogs, right? You, so you got started kind of early, actually. Very, yeah, a little early on. So I uh, so my first dog, well, not really. It was kind of like my second dog, but his name was Dino, and he was a really lovely, uh, really lovely dog. Uh, great you're with. From, you're from mm-hmm. Jersey, right? Oh no, I'm I'm from I'm from the Bronx. Oh, in, in yeah. Riverdale. Oh yeah. So I grew up. I grew up in Riverdale. Born in Oakland, California. Shout out to all the West Side, uh, West Side people tuning in. But yeah, I was born in Oakland. I have all of my family over there. But uh, my dad and mom were singing a lot, and so we so we moved oh, wow. around a little what, bit. What yeah. kind of singers? So my mom. Uh, so my dad was an opera singer. My my mom was actually a professional dancer. So that's how they how they kind of met. Yeah. So when I was born. Um, we moved around a lot. Like I lived in Germany for a year, uh, but we settled in Washington Heights. 
for a year. We lived like right next to the cloisters, which was absolutely beautiful. Feel totally blessed to have those kind of memories still present. And then um, most of my, then we moved to Riverdale uh, for like first grade. So I was, I was there for a good, you know, 20, definitely 20 years of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so the dog that I grew up with, Dino, really, really lovely dog, really big blocky head. Uh, we found him actually tied up down the block from me to to a fence with a sign that says, you know, please give me a good home. Aww. And one of so we already had a dog at the time. We had a Karen Terrier named Frank. Really, really spunky dog. Absolutely great, great first experience for a dog. And, you know, we we saw Dino tied up to a fence one of my uh, would-be mentors at the time he had his own kind of dog walking service and he was also doing training he found dino and he was taking care of him and once my dad got wind that an am staff a pretty young am staff i want to say like maybe like uh, about like eight eight nine months like he was pretty pretty big size already um you know, George uh, had him, and my dad's like, "Yep, we'll take him <laughs> without question." We just we just brought him in. Um, really, really lovely dog. You can put him in a room full of babies, and he'll nurse them and take care of them. He was just that mm. kind of dog. Now, however, he had uh, some some pretty extreme behavioral issues and 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 concerns. So Dino was highly aggressive towards very specific particular dog you would say that he's he was a like i i now that i have a little bit more knowledge of dog behavior i wouldn't necessarily say he was a status seeking dog but he just he had just had this hate in him for very specific dogs and it wasn't like these behaviors kind of sparked out of nowhere uh there was definitely a little bit of a slow progression and of course you know our family not noticing these things at the time um it quickly kind of spiraled into oh my gosh we need help right there was a moment um and this will always this will always stay with me so um when i was younger uh, my dad was walking both dino and frank at the same time so we were we lived on the top floor in the building i used to live in in riverdale and on our floor there were no other dogs living on that floor right so you can safely assume that in the elevator when the elevator came up there shouldn't be any dogs in the elevator right so and i remember oh i remember this so i remember this from from my bedroom i remember this this was out in the the hallway like you know completely out of the thresholds of and the confines of our apartment um and elevator door opened up and dad just kind of haphazardly walked in and sure enough rex was there and rex was this long-haired black dachshund which for some reason Dino just hated, absolutely hated. He would bark, he would snarl, and we always knew if he ever got a hold of him, it would be really bad. So in this instance, he got a hold of Rex, and in less than a couple of seconds, broke two ribs, punctured a lung, and he had to he had to go to the emergency room. Oh my god! Yeah. So it was it was definitely one of those. Oh my gosh! Like we like, and Dino was already having issues at this point. Like he was already like getting way too over threshold on walks. He would snarl and bark. We couldn't get his attention. We would have to really disengage, like go go a couple of blocks away if we ever saw a specific dog on walks. And at dog parks, very typical fence fighting, barrier frustration, redirected on my dad once. Um, you know, it was it, it was a lot. <laughs> it was definitely a lot. So we, we grew up with that 
kind of training background. So my my first mentor, my would-be mentor, was helping us out. And I was also working for him as well. I was also um, uh, assisting him with his doggy daycare. Um, you must have been a kid at this point, though. No? Yeah, I was – I like, I, I started working with him probably like 15, 16, just in like summers or here and there whenever mm-hmm. he really needed me. I was really just like a space saver. So I would sit in the car. I would – you know, he would instruct me if any dog walked by or any person got too close with the car, you know, treat these specific dogs. So I was already kind of being primed from like counter conditioning, desensitization. I just kind of didn't know it at, at, at the time, right? Um and um yeah i was like 15 16 um and then uh once i turned once i turned 18 really wanted to dive a little bit deeper in in, into just working with dogs because i really enjoyed working with him it was a really rewarding job um you know i got to got to be outside with like 20 to 30 dogs a day all have different personalities of course you all grow to love them um but it was definitely, you know, as I continued to work, right, I started to get this really nice hands-on experience um, that really just catapulted my interest into, into just dog behavior. So how did he help you with Dino? So Dino, yeah. So George helped us out um, just doing a lot of one-on-one sessions. We started off, I mean, he, just for the time, I'm, I'm looking back into just some of the methods that we use, especially with Dino, because like we had to carry around citronella spray with him. And he just, he, he, within like a couple of times, he just got desensitized to it. Like it didn't really do anything to him. Well, how does that, how does that work? You, you would spray. Yeah, so, when... so, so, so the citronella spray is kind of like a, a last, almost one of the last ditch safety efforts to kind of get your dog to either stop, stop fighting, or maybe a dog has latched on to another dog or, or you're just trying to get your dog to disengage for something. It's kind of a last, one of the last ditch eff- efforts. So a citronella spray is, you know, one of a really highly concentrated spray that you spray in the dog's face and nose and it's supposed to really disorient them. It does not feel very good. <laughs> um, and um, it's supposed to get your dog to stop whatever whatever they're doing in, in, a, in a highly um, kind of like safety, uh, safety conscious um, kind of situation, right? You want to make sure everyone is safe. You want to make sure all the all the all the dogs are are safe. Um, so we would spray this in Dino's face when he would react like that because you know it's 70 pound amstaff when he's going out for some serious blood like if he ever got away from us and charged at whichever dog he was reacting it it, it would have been very bad it, it would have been absolutely horrible um so we started doing that that's what the, those the suggestions that was made to us and he just got desensitized to it and mind you i mean we were still very much amateurs at this and we didn't you know uh, we were just really at that point just get Dino away from any from from that from that dog that he's either reacting to. Oftentimes, it was in the lobby, right? Um, you get out into the elevator, out of the elevator, into the lobby, and of course, boom! There's a dog there. So there's not a lot of like treating you could do in that moment, right? You just get Dino away, get him get him to a manageable aroused aroused state, get him just calm down just a little bit, and then work within that distance. So we did do a lot of like behavioral adjustment therapy or BAT as as um, a behavioral adjustment training or BAT as, uh, as uh, people may know it. Um, but it was definitely a challenge, just a constant challenge. 
Um, he did have friends, which was the amazing part. He did have friends where like, I, there was, there was his one uh, dog friend with that would literally just hump his face and he would not care whatsoever. He was like, yep, this is fine. And of course we, you know, we would, we would get them off of each other and stuff, but you know, he had success, which was awesome. He had success. He had good friends. He was able to play with these, with these other dogs. But man, if these specific, let's say golden retrievers walked by the park, like, Everyone would have to get their dog or else Dina would be redirecting on everyone. Mm. Um, you know, and even in those moments, and we and we were always fascinated by this, because even in those highly aroused state of, let's say, the fence fighting for the Golden Retrievers, you know, these, the, the, we, and we knew the parent, too. The parent was, like, not willing to just go ahead and cross the street. Like, it's, oh, mind blowing. That's a whole other topic we could talk about. But, um, um Yes, yeah, she would walk by, right? Dina would just react. And whichever dog would then come over, also very stimulated because Dino was, was you know, barking and lunging and snarling, he would redirect on them. And even in those highly, highly aroused state, Dino wouldn't make a single scratch on these dogs. So he still had bite inhibition. He would still uh, maintain some level of control in those moments instead of just going and doing damage to the next dog that he sees, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah, it was it was definitely a long process. George helped us out with, you know, really a lot of counter conditioning, a lot of engage and disengage work. But it was really like after a certain point, it was all management. All management, you know, really making sure Dino just doesn't really have that opportunity to do that. Um, you know, and I even remember a few moments where, you know, uh, maybe a new dog, a new dog would come into the dog park and Dino would be sitting politely letting the dog come in. And then when my dad would release Dino, all of a sudden you just charge at him, charge at him, pin him. There'd be a little scuffle, and then we would separate them. Of course, this, but this dog didn't have any puncture marks on him or anything like that. He, you know, he was, and, and that's why I'm, I'm, I guess the more I think about it, the more there, there is definitely an aspect of that, um, deference kind of, kind of high hierarchy structure that, that dogs can definitely have, especially in those kind of social settings. So was that kind of your first, um, introduction to, dog training though? oh like behavior oh yeah definitely because with frank like we we never really did that with him he was you know he was a small little Karen terrier of course we would teach him sit and stuff but we were just going off of my parents experience mm -hmm. um you know early on but it wasn't until we had dino we we're like okay we actually have to dive into how dogs learn and the methods that we can do to help them just feel a little better or do something else that's going to be just as rewarding. And right? did it make sense to you right away, or did you feel like there needs to be a way to fix this dog rather than just sort well, of management techniques? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I think just at the 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 at the time of just the knowledge that we had, um, you know, there really wasn't. Well, I don't know. I was very young, so like a lot, a lot of this stuff can be a little cloudy, um, just in terms of our motivation for doing. Because I'm sure there are times where my my parent, my family, could kind of like lacked that, or just kind of really didn't follow through with some of the training. Um, and then, of course, me, 15 year old, just being absolutely terrified. <laughs> I was like, I'll just walking my dog. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna cross the street, or like, you know, uh, getting in the elevator. There wasn't that um, in depth knowledge of behavior that would have probably benefited us a little bit more. Um, 
you know, and who knows? Maybe my parents did get that information, and I'm just kind of not remembering it. <laughs> you were, I mean, were you at the same time watching like the Dog Whisperer and thinking like, oh, oh no, this is different than what than George is telling us? No, definitely not. I mean, I was I was brought up in the positive reinforcement world. Okay. I mean, yeah my 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 mentor George he has a really interesting story too. You know, he you know his first dog was you know resource guarding and and snapping at him so george really had to dive into training he Mm -hmm. he you know read all of the books that were kind of pushed to the side during that time right there was still very much a sense of that you know balance training or or using kind of other forceful techniques with their dog very old school kind of mythologies and uh, methodologies and um you know he was the one that really brought in um a lot of this these kind of techniques to to uh, especially to us we're like we did we had like no idea we wouldn't do any like forceful or like you know any kind of mean kind of um uh uh training with our dogs we knew to use treats and all that kind of stuff but he was really the one that especially for us that uh that brought positive reinforcement training into light so i yeah, i was i was like pretty much raised on that so your first job really was working with him doing training then mm-hmm. kind of yeah i mean so we would be we would be managing our our doggy play group so you know some of the things that we would some of the things that we would do um we would do a lot of weights we would do a lot of recalls um we would uh, we would you know uh, and honestly we would do timeouts as well we would we would set up a tether station so when dogs were you know maybe a little pushy or a little rude to one another we would you know um we would use timeouts, um, and um, yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely a great hands-on experience. You know, I was I was able to really um, start to build like my timing when I reward. Um, what kind of reinforcers do I use? And so all, that was a business that. that was like it, that business was picking up dogs and bringing them to the park. Right. Correct. Yeah, we had a van, um, and we would gut out the back. We would put down a rug. We would have one crate in the back. We would have a morning and an afternoon play group. So we would mostly start, well, I say about like eight or nine. Go check. Go pick up the early morning dogs. So usually, it could it could span anywhere per per dog run. It could span anywhere between um, ten to fifteen dogs, maybe at a time. Right. We always wanted to make sure everything was nice and safe. Um, and we would take them to the park, let them run for an hour, uh, put them back in the car, pick up, drop off more dogs, and then have the afternoon run. And then after that, right, we would drop them off, um, and then and then we and then we would end our day. So you really have like a, a long background in in working with dogs off leash. Oh yes, oh yeah, I have. That's like that is my um, that is my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> That is definitely my specialty, you know. There, oh yeah, definitely. I've been, uh, one can say I've been groomed uh, to do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. so I, think, I think one thing that's interesting about that is that mm. it's not how most people think about dog training. Most people picture, I'm, I'm guessing, most people picture dog training as something that happens. A trainer comes to your home, or you go to a facility, a basement somewhere. And everybody's lined up with a dog leash and a trainer standing mm. in front of the room. But the idea that training is happening while dogs can be off leash and uh, in some cases with their owners not present, that's what you were doing before at least. Oh, yeah. Um, might be, might be uh, an unusual thing. 
Sure. Um, but they certainly are still learning, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely an ongoing process. You know, um, I, I always like to think, you know, training really never, never stops for dogs. And it's always, it's always in a lot of different capacities, even when, uh, you know, the, the parent isn't there, you know, like what, what, what is the dog's motivator in any kind of situation? What are they getting out of it? Is it fun? Is it not? Right. Um, and, and in these, in these kind of situations, you know, we're really practicing, you know, impulse control and, and proper manners, making sure everyone's, you know, having fun and being safe, you know, um, even when their parents aren't there, which is great, you know, which is, which is amazing. Um, what do you t- what kind of reactions do you tend to get from people who come to the first time to playtime or or schoolyard do you feel like you you witness aha moments oh yeah definitely i mean i i really like the wide spectrum of the of people that come in especially for playtimes i get a lot of people that you know have had had experience with puppies or i haven't had experience with just dogs in general and uh, it's really great to be able to hear those oh my gosh this is so great you know i had this one i had one of those moments the other day where this dog newton um who has just kind of been struggling with finding his confidence and and feeling comfortable around being around other dogs it's just been a really slow progression and yesterday we had a little bit of like a a one-on-one playtime with this dog that i knew surefire knew that he was going to play with and they were playing for 30 minutes straight and it was it was it was absolutely amazing (laughs) <laughs> it was great it was definitely one of those oh my gosh this is awesome <laughs> you're, like, you're like a matchmaker yeah yeah right um and I, that's what i always tell people you know a lot of times we get like um got like a really shy or timid puppy you know and play doesn't always happen at puppy play time you know and that's mm-hmm. and that's the important thing that's what you know people really need to understand about socialization is that not all they definitely they looking at each other is almost good enough. Just the fact that they're in the same room together, um, being able to look at each other and engage in one way or another is, you know, is great for them. Yeah. Which is, of course, I think is so important too. But, you know, Mm -hmm. there there are occasionally people who come in and I think are disappointed that it's not what they expected. It's not, you know, a Oh, sure. Yeah, no, we we definitely have those. All the time, but, Mm -hmm. you know, at least I try to explain that you know, oh yes we have to keep things small and controlled and unfortunately sometimes that means it's maybe not the perfect fit for every single dog there but that we don't sure play time as like a one-off thing like it should be something that is you know oh absolutely yes yeah. socialization doesn't just stop after one time you know so yeah. you, you're doing um private sessions too now right yes yes i'm doing private sessions i started i started taking on um um puppy puppy clients mm-hmm. um uh probably when we opened back up in um like after covid yeah. yeah yeah late summer i want to say like you know july july august i started started taking on some privates here and there and those have been really really great tell, tell me about the experience of starting to do private sessions or what's it yeah so, so yeah i mean obviously there your adrenal glands are going to be acting up right that's definitely <laughs> going to be happening you know it's a very very normal it just means you're alive right i i i don't want it it's it's if anyone says they're not nervous or they don't have a little bit of angst to them like i don't believe them one bit <laughs> absolutely not um but well, I, I remember starting it when i started out oh I, sure when i i i mean Eventually, I was, I was like, oh, my God, I'm doing this on autopilot, which is actually kind of a reason for me to, like, not do it so much anymore because <laughs> I felt like like people don't deserve, like, Annie on autopilot. Um, 
but uh, I know in the beginning I felt like I know I know so much and I know I can help these people, but like I don't know how to communicate these things in a way that is that I feel comfortable doing. And it felt like this like bottleneck feeling. Sure. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's 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 so interesting because you know you can have all like all of the knowledge and kind of the background, but the uh, but the other part to these sessions is one making sure like you know obviously you're communicating that to everything to the client in um, in a way that you know makes sense and the way that's a way that's kind of specific towards them and really almost like I've I one of the things that I I've I've kind of learned especially through school for the dogs is just to be a little bit more sensitive with, 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 with puppy clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just like choosing different vernacular here and mm-hmm. there and, and, and just making sure that they're heard, um, is very, very important. Right. And I'll, I always tell people that they're like, you know, part of my job is working, you know, 70% of my job is really is working with people. 30% of it is the dogs. The dog part is easy. The human yeah. part to it, that that's the challenge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Have you have you read that book? Uh, there's a great book, um, the Human Half of Dog Training. So I actually got that from Kate. So yeah. I, I'm, I've been I've been I've been meaning to read it. It's definitely. Uh, I, I haven't looked at it in a while, but when I did read it, I got a lot out of it. But you know, I, I think my takeaways from years working with you know dogs, especially puppies and clients, mm. was um, yeah, like you said, being um, uh, an empathetic listener. Yep. Um, oh, definitely. Helping people understand that their problems are are not necessarily unique, but also uh, real and um, not not uh, spewing anything that could come off as judgment before sure. sort of laying down the the a, a sciency background. Um, uh, I don't. I, I remember yeah. early on. I said I. I must have said something about like. I think. I think it was like in a puppy playtime. I was running or something. I said something about, you know, like what kind of relationship do you want to have with your dog? Like, do you want to have a relationship that's about like oh you yelling your, at your dog and yanking uh-huh. your dog around? Or- How did the person react to that? <laughs> Well, I guess it, well, they they ended up like leaving a Yelp review about how like how judgmental and everything I was. Oh course, man! <laughs> I mean, in the moment, I wasn't judging them. I was just sure. talking out loud. But I guess they felt like, you know, well, I do that stuff with my dog, and da da da. And I, I, felt, oh, bad. Yeah. I felt bad about it because I felt like you know, it's true. Like you, you can't say these things without assuming that um, people are starting at. Zero. I mean, when I sure. when I think about the kinds of things I did with um, with my old dog Amos when he was a puppy before I knew anything, like I, I I probably would have felt judged too if somebody had come in. But you know, yeah. I, I think one one thing about our approach um, that that I feel works is is starting, or if not starting, at least not shying away from talking about like the science behind stuff Mm. like it's hard to argue with it and it's also not something that most people I think have ever thought about and um, when you can see that these are not just ideas and opinions but that there's actual science behind it I think it takes some of the um some take takes away some of the bad feelings one might have about having done things that 
were not rooted in science simply because like you didn't you didn't know you know what i mean sure it's less more of like oh this is the moral compass that you should be following and you're horrible for not following it which i feel like you know people definitely kind of get to that Mm -hmm. assumption when they hear stuff like this because they feel bad but you know if you're you know really just being objective you know, and and like, oh my gosh, okay, I need to just stop what I'm what I'm doing with 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 my dog, you know, and and just understand that this is just kind of a, either a method or methodology that you've believed in the past, um, and we know we need to just now move forward, just a better training for for our puppies, and just kind of a, a accepting that. But I definitely, I definitely hear what you're saying in terms of. You, bringing out the science, just presenting it to them and letting them make their interpretations after that. I mean, right. you can't really make interpretations out of, out of anything scientific or any data or yeah. any research. Um, but I think that's what takes the personal side out of it. And like, I, I get, I, I, you've probably heard me go off on this before, but like, I get like um, frustrated about like the word positive because I feel like it gets misused so much of the time as like mm. like we're like nice happy stars and flowers and rainbows like trainers who are always positive where it's like no it's not positive like we're nice all the time <laughs> it's yeah. positive oh, yeah. like, like it's positive in in like the ter- form of addition like we're trying to add something to encourage behavior and like it's a it's yep. not like a moral it's not like a moral or ethical stance even though i mean i think it is moral and ethical oh yeah but it's definitely very scientific, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, there is, you know, fear free and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, which is definitely a way more of the moral compass than, you know, just really making sure that we're not forcing our dogs to do anything or yeah. we're not instilling any kind of fear whatsoever. And, you know, um, and with all that other stuff with, you know, even positive punishment or, or, or negative reinforcement, it mm-hmm. can definitely um there could definitely be that aspects of fear. You know? um, tell me about your dog. Oh, my dog. Yes. So my dog is love of my life. She, her name is Sonic and she is a 40 pound pit mix. I'm not sure what she's mixed with. I've been dying to get a DNA panel on her because <laughs> she has this kind of weird body. And I was, I've been looking up different breeds. And I'm like, Oh, that looks like her face. That looks like her body. Cause she has this, not really pity body, but she definitely has the has the the face of a pit. Um, um, and she has a, like webbed toes, like she has really long fingers, um, which which are really weird. Um, but she is super cute. She's like the perfect size. Like when you think of like the reason why I probably wouldn't get a huge Amstaff is just because you know we're I live in the city, and just the fact that I, maybe I would have to move would be a huge deterrence, just because yeah. big dog, right? Not a lot of not a lot of apartments are going to want a yeah. big dog, um, regardless of the breed. Um, but Sonic is literally the perfect size i can say oh yeah she's uh, she's 30 pounds and people be like oh okay cool Where'd you yeah. get her from? so i got her from westchester humane society um they were really really lovely i knew the director of training at the time um and during during my interest in just being like you know what i want to be a dog trainer because i was going to school at nights 
to be a canine cop. I was going to John Jay. Oh, and, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I definitely, you know, even at the time, I definitely still wanted to work with animals, but I wanted, obviously, I wanted the I wanted the health benefits, the steady paycheck, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, th- th- this will be fine, right? Um, and after learning about it and then paying out of pocket, because I wasn't getting financial aid at the time, I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'd rather place my money towards going to seminars and doing doing something else with dogs that I've and I've already been kind of teetering on that. So um, um, the director of training, so Bobby, she suggested, you know what? I mean, you if you want to be a dog trainer, you you have to get a dog. Because at the time, I just didn't have one. This was a couple years after Dino's passing, um, so I was you know kind of flirting with getting a dog for a little bit. Um, and the funny thing is, so um, my girlfriend at the time, she was looking up dogs on their website and as, as soon as she heard that i was kind of interested she's like oh my gosh great right um so she pulled up this dog her name was her name was polly and she looked kind of like a jackal she didn't look too you know she didn't she didn't look as attractive as i wanted her to look attractive. you know that may sound really vain and sha- and shallow but you know i wanted a dog that's you know that's going to be uh, as, as soon as looking as you, you know? yeah, there you go <laughs> Uh, and I, you know, I wanted as soon as I saw him, be like, "Oh my gosh, well, that's a beautiful dog!" Right? I definitely wanted um, <laughs> s- something like that. Want, wanted wanted there to be that little level of attraction. So, but as soon as I went to the shelter, I was like, "Let's go ahead and see Polly," because Bobby actually suggested Polly to me. And I saw her; her coat looked a lot better. She put on some weight. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, wow, this dog is so beautiful!" And so I went, I went, I went up to her. I went up to her little little crate, um, and of course she's jumping up. She's Is like she a walking. Puppy at the time? So she was. She was. They thought she was a puppy when she first came in because of how small she was. But she had all of her adult teeth, so she was mostly uh, around, around maybe like a. They speculated a year to two year. Um, that that's that that that's kind of how old she was, um, and. And yeah, so 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 she was a so comparing her pictures, right? She she looked a lot better. So I got her inside of, of their their little like room that they had their little training room. And you know, Bobby already told everyone that I was coming. They're like, just put her in the room with Adam. It's like our trainer's coming. Um, and they threw a couple of toys for her. She did this really just sporadic kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna jump on the toy and act like a velociraptor it was super cute um and you know as soon as i as soon as i got down on the ground she crawled into my lap and i'm like yep that's that's it like mm. you're, you're you're coming home with me i saw one other dog um and i'm like nope i i mean i immediately signed the papers like i knew i knew that i knew that that was that <laughs> yeah it was really great so i got her in 2016 um i yeah i've had her yeah i've had i've had her since then and uh, do you do training with her, or have you? Oh yes, absolutely. Her? Yeah, so I've done I've done some a little bit of. Uh, she's really good at some scent work, and so I I do a lot of stuff like around the house. So I'll put her in my room, and I'll place like her food, especially all around the apartment and really random places. You know, of course, I'll say go find it, and she takes you know she puts her nose down for a good you know twenty to thirty minutes. She absolutely loves doing that. Um, yeah, she knows a good amount of tricks. She she has really great impulse control um, uh, behaviors. You know she'll she'll uh, you know when we do like leave it and stuff like that, she'll completely like turn her head away from the treat while still drooling and salivating just because I have something. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's a really spunky dog. She loves to cuddle. 
she Aww. is a very like tactile kind of dog she wants to be on top of you she wants to be touching you she likes the warmth of a human body <laughs> oh, yeah oh that. yeah um one of her little uh one of her little uh quirky kind of traits is that she when she gets a little excited and a little aroused she starts to do these like donkey noises so she'll make like <laughs> you know and it's you know after a while it's you know it's it's cute for a bit but you know if you've lived with her for a good four or five years it was like all right this is this is a little annoying <laughs> Um, but yeah, she's, she's an absolute great dog. She can be a little socially inept sometimes. And I think that could just be, um, you know, from her, from her background, which I have no clue about, right? Because she's a rescue. Um, yeah, she has her quirks, you know, she gets a little over aroused sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, sometimes she could be a little weird with people. If, if I, if I'm being frank, if I'm being candid, um, she's what does weird the, with people look like. So, oh yeah, absolutely. So weird with people, what this will look like. So she'll solicit attention. She'll go up to a person, um, and she'll come up and smell them, have really nice, um, 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 loose body. Like I could just tell the way she's way she's standing is nice and relaxed. She'll go up to the person, smell them, and then as soon as the person pets, she will lunge towards their face or lunge towards the their 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 immediate um, center of center of um, mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's never made any kind of contact. It's always a get away from me. I don't like being pet like this. And I don't like you handling me like this. And oftentimes it can look a lot different too. Sometimes she'll maybe jump up. And this is partly my fault, to be honest, because um, I've allowed her to jump when I first got her because I just, you know, wanted her to greet me at the door. And mm-hmm. of course, now I'm reaping, um, I'm reaping the consequences of that because when she'll jump up, you know, when dogs just naturally jump up, right, they work themselves up a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're utilizing their muscles, they're they're pushing themselves up, it's just naturally, they get a little bit more aroused and stimulated. So when Sonic would jump up on someone and they would per this person would be petting her, she would then start to growl, get really stiff, her pupils will dilate, her ears will be pinned back just a little bit. And then and then she'll make some kind of either vocalization or some kind of snap. Um, Never made any contact on anyone, and usually what I do with people, especially when they first greet her, one, um, they're not allowed to pet her for a little bit, right? They have to play hard to get. They have to play hard to get. They have to reward her and just just to establish that association of, hey, I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not going to hurt you. I mean, I mean you no harm, right? I want her to start to like people, um, but it's definitely been... A journey for me with her because it's I wanted I wanted to also think that like I wouldn't say I was delusional a, a while ago but like I grew up with Dino right I grew up with a dog that just absolutely loved people you could do whatever you wanted to him and he was totally fine kids uh, old people like like everyone done didn't matter as long as long as you were a human you were great but with Sonic it could be a little different and I think I I saw the progression of Sonic's behavior um throughout the years without any kind of intervention from me. Cause I th- feel like I was very still young in my career. So I wasn't really sure how to handle it. And I just allowed her to one feel uncomfortable. Cause I can safely assume that it, even though she's soliciting attention, she definitely gets to that point of, Oh my gosh, I'm uncomfortable. I don't like this. How do I get this person away from me as quickly as possible? Um, and 
throughout the years, probably no one has really listened to her until she's exhibited those behaviors. And it was my fault for not acknowledging those and to seek out some kind of help with it. Like I, I just kind of wanted to think that that wasn't happening Mm -hmm. in a way, you know, and I think that's kind of, you know, what I'm dealing with, dealing with now, especially, especially with just, you know, she's doing it a lot more pretty consistently with almost every person that she meets. Maybe maybe you need to work with a trainer. Yeah. Right. Maybe maybe I need to reach out to a trainer, (laughs) but uh, yeah, usually, usually like, you know, as long as she knows you, Mm-hmm. You're in the clear. You're great. Um, but new people, oh, yeah, she can get real stiff if they don't, if they go over her head, mm-hmm. um, if they stare at her a little bit. Oh, yeah, she has her triggers. And I feel like I've gotten a good, accurate picture of what I really need to do for her mm-hmm. um, when it comes to, at, at least when it comes to people handling her. You, you, need, to, you need to train people. train people also to, <laughs> to deal yeah. with her. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the and that's the trouble too. Like that's what I've been practicing on recently. It's really being vocal of no no petting her and being mm-hmm. and being really strict about that and being vocal about it cuz I kind of was in, still in that like a while ago. So I kind of still in that place. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I I this this interaction is making me uncomfortable. Please don't mm-hmm. snap. Please mm-hmm. don't snap." Mm-hmm. You know, and and now uh, now, uh, like now, I'm and now I have very strict rules. I if it's a new person that's like let's say coming over, I'm taking her somewhere. I'm always bringing treats, high value treats. Um, I'm always allowing her to only smell and greet for a few seconds. Then we'll I'll disengage her, do a sit, do some relaxation work, right? And it's it's it, I, I don't think I've seen any real progression, especially with new people, but with the uh, people that she already knows, uh, they already kind of know how to handle her. So I've I've kind of gotten my my friend group and my family to really be on board with how to handle her. So this way I'm, I'm at least controlling a little bit of the mishandling of her um, just from a, a rehearsal basis, right? I don't want her kind of rehearsing this behavior, feel like she has to exhibit these behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, nowadays, like I just had a, had a few people over, um, all friends, uh, and there, and she she was perfect with them, absolutely perfect with them, um, which which was which was made, made me happy. Uh, here's a question. So, uh, you know, probably the most famous trainer of our time is the dog whisperer and he is a man. Um, uh, and yet if you go to conferences, uh, there are very few dog training conferences. There's usually very few men there. Oh yeah. You work at school for the dogs, which is owned by two women. And I think uh gosh what do we we have something what like six how many trainers do we have six trainers um majority are women Uh, majority of people on our staff are women oh yeah um why 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 do you think that why do you think i guess two two part question (laughs) (laughs) why why do you think it's such a a female oriented field and what is that like for you, or, or maybe it doesn't matter at all. I don't no, I know. I think I think that's an excellent question. Not a lot of people know that that in our in our world and in our industry, it is definitely female dominated, mm-hmm. um, which I think is awesome. It's I think it's amazing, and I think the proof is in the pudding when it comes to the success of, of especially like like what like what we do, and essentially with our mythologies. I think it's really easy for a guy, let's say, uh, just a male to resort to training with pain 
because I have to make my dog do something. I have to mm. make them do this. Right. I, I definitely feel like it's, it's like like it's very easy for men to get there than for women to get there. Um, yeah, I feel like like I feel like women are just more nurturing, just uh, like naturally alone. They're a lot more nurturing. I feel like they're a lot a lot more empathetic, um, and I feel like the the temptation for or maybe not even the temptation, but but just but just the wanting to take teaching from an approach of no pain, no fear whatsoever. Um, I feel like, yeah, yeah, I, was, I feel like that's, that's, I wouldn't say makes more, I don't know, I'm trying to find, trying to find the words for that, um, with, without potentially sounding offensive, <laughs> um, but you, you get my gist, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, a- absolutely, um, yeah, but yeah, I think, I think it's great, like, some of, some of the, some of the guys that I've met, um, are really great trainers. You know, they, they, you know, they don't train with any pain. And of course I've seen a lot, a lot more males, um, using, you know, balance training or using, losing some force and coercion or some dominance theory training, which of course has been debunked. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And who, I think I, it could also be an, uh, be an upbringing thing too. But but I you know I I don't think that that has any real correlation. I find myself as you know your boss feeling I mean not just you but all like all the men on our staff which is not that many but I feel myself being like protective of you guys in a way that's like, <laughs> that's, like maybe unexpected, um, and you know uh, certainly I mean I don't think gender gender is the first thing that we consider about anyone we hire. Oh, sure, but but, um, but I feel like. Um, I don't know, like one time I one time someone on staff like referred to you as like a dude and I felt like like <laughs> and I was like I was like I both Kate and I were like that's you know, that's you know like, come on now. <laughs> we're being you know I mean I guess there were things than being called a dude, <laughs> but like I don't know, if someone referred to a woman on staff as a chick, I might be. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's, that's such a chick thing. Yeah, yeah. right. But it's mm-hmm. like we live, we live in this moment of of where we're all like hypersensitive to this stuff. So sure, I find sure. Myself in the in the unusual, perhaps position of being a female boss, worried about protecting my, uh, <laughs> my male staff from discrimination. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I yeah, I would, I would love to. Like, I wonder if there's a way to collect the data. And to do some kind of research with why training, while especially our kind of training, right, the, the kind of the positive reinforcement mm-hmm. movement, using using that kind of scientific method, um, is more is dominated more by 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 women. Which well, is, what was it like? You know, so. I, yeah. I'm curious about your studies at John Jay. How long did you do that? And what was it like? Um, so I went to John Jay at night. So I was also working for George during the day. I would work Monday through Friday. Um, um, and I got to the point where I, he actually moved to Wisconsin. And I was managing his business for him. So I was running it for him. We hired someone else who became I became really, really close with. Um, and yeah, I would go to school at night. I only take like one class, maybe two classes per semester. Um, you know, I got I got uh, the equivalence of like an associate's, like that, like that that many credits. Um, and, and was mm-hmm. it 
were you working with dogs or or not? Oh, at John Jay. Oh, no, no, no. So, so John Jay. For I was just getting my criminal justice degree, um, so I could have like more promotional opportunities and just you know just has still having that mentality of just get a degree. You could do something else, but just get a degree. You know, this way you have it. Um, so what what is the progression then? If you have that degree, then do you go to school to become a cop? And then- so so with so with the NYPD. So I don't know how it is now, but with the NYPD, you have to have one either either uh, uh, four years military service, right? And oh, I I was I was actually before going back to school to John Jay, I was trying to get into the Air Force, so I can do this. Um, and um, yeah, you either need, you know, military service or you need like 60 credits or something like that. Um, um, oh, yeah, to... you need like an basically like an associate's degree. Yeah, just like the equivalent. Like you can still, um, you don't have to have your degree to be a cop, but you just, you know, you have to have, you have to have some kind of schooling in order to mm-hmm. do that. So there is definitely a requirement, but I wanted to just, you know, get my degree just to have it um, mm-hmm. with, with the NYPD. And this is what kind of deterred me away from being a canine cop. Because once you're a canine cop, you're like you're pretty much stuck there. Because they they want you one the dog the your partner that you're gonna get right. You're gonna be you're gonna be do you're gonna be working with that partner for a really long time. You're gonna be working with that canine for a really long time. They want someone to be consistent to know mm-hmm. what they're doing with 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 the canine and to have like some really great experience. So once you once you get there, you're you're pretty you're pretty much staying there. So no promotional opportunities in terms of like, you know, just higher ranks. Of course I'll still get like, you know, pay raises throughout the year. Well, did you you're... did you like meet people who were canine cops? Like No. No. No, not really. I mean, I would just, you know, just go to school with just like regular 18, 19-year-olds, maybe even mm-hmm. older because you know, I was going to school at night. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but no, I didn't, uh, the only person that I met was like a corrections officer and he like came to class one day, mm-hmm. but, but my, but my schooling wasn't nearly as like hands-on as like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, NYPD, take a tour or like, you know, get other experience from, from, uh, canine officers. This is all just like research, really diving in, getting mm-hmm. people's accounts. And just the more I did that, the more I was like, yeah, nope. Don't want to do that. <laughs> huh, okay. And some of the methods, like well, like George, uh, my you know the guy person mentor, I keep referencing, yeah. yeah, one of my mentors. Um, he he was like, yeah, you're you're not gonna like the training that you're gonna do with the dogs. Oh really? I'm like, uh, he was like, oh yeah. He showed me videos of you know because they have to get the dog into a highly aroused state just to get them to either bite or something like that. Like that's I remember that's what he was kind of telling me. Um. Um, and yeah, he was like, you're not going to like the methods that they would use to do that. Hmm. I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> I'm always so curious when I see the dogs at like the airports and, uh, yeah. and whatever. Um, I always think like, what would you need to do? <laughs> not that I have ever smuggled drugs or would want to smuggle drugs, but, <laughs> but I think like, a, I bet like a dog trainer would have a better time smuggling drugs. Oh, oh, definitely. Oh, oh, absolutely. With the uh, beyond a doubt, we're like, all right, how how do we get more smells on this items to to, <laughs> to ward off the scents, right? Oh, totally. Or just and, like pack the drugs in like in like chopped meat. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. Chopped meat or like or like, you know, like take a sock, rub your dog on the sock so it smells like a dog. Oh yeah, you know. I'm sure yeah, us dog trainers, we could we I'm sure we could come up with some with some ways. <laughs> that 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 may be that may be like a product idea. Oh, yeah, it's like an <laughs> H- HBO show waiting to happen. Uh, yeah, there you go. I thought it would be fun to have a class that like um well, we've done some scent work classes. I I'd love to do more. But I thought it would be fun at some point to have a class that's like like teach your dog to find your weed oh my gosh that'd be great <laughs> that's awesome like both a party trick and kind of useful <laughs> yeah, so yeah use it yeah use your dog's nose yeah sure oh my or, gosh. or even just like teach your dog to find keys or something like that yeah oh sure yeah it's so funny talking about sense of smell like one of the things that's always baffles me and a lot of the a lot of the people that uh, puppy parents that come to the school mm-hmm. they're like you know it's so interesting i toss a treat and, you know, they're supposed to have a good sense of smell. It just takes them forever to find it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's always funny to see dogs, you know, especially puppies just not know really how to or use their nose very well or, you know, stuff like that. And I always tell them, I'm like, think of it kind of like a spidey sense, right? It's You have all of this information because they have, you know, of smells, different smells constantly all the time. So they have, I, I'm not sure what's the what's the time difference of how many more they have than us, but they, you know, have definitely have more than double the amount of sensors mm-hmm. that we have in our nose. Oh, I always um, think it's funny when people are like, Oh, he smells my dog on me. And I'm like, maybe, uh, or yeah. maybe he smells the cologne of that guy that you hooked up with. Three uh, ago. <laughs> like, yeah. Or like your lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he smells the mustard that you had in your sandwich. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go Wednesday. <laughs> and I've always said this, like if I, if I was, if I was to be a stand up comedian, if I was going to have like, you know, do, do a little comedy show, I would always open with this. So I would be like, I'd be like, Hey, how's it going everyone? You know? So, uh, you know, I really love dogs. I love dogs. Um, always loved working with them you know dogs have the best sense of smell in the world you know they can probably smell what you had for lunch a few hours ago but they have to be this close to poop and i would like to take my hand put it right close to me. <laughs> this close to poop to smell it they just have to do it they have to almost stick it down their throat in order to smell it it's just absolutely boggles my mind <laughs> or when people think like their dog you know peed on the bed to spite them or whatever oh yeah i'm like He's no, doing dogs- it to get back at me i'm like yeah they, they don't do that well, dogs 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 love their pee. <laughs> yes, yeah, like they love it. They're like, "Ooh, I'm gonna bless my parent with uh, with some pee." Mm. <laughs> I I offer you a gift. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Was, oh my gosh! Sonic used to do that when I first got her. She would she would do this like submissive pee when we would come home, and she was on the bed. We're like, "Hey, Sonic!" And she'd roll over, we'd pet her, and then boom, she'd pee on the bed. We're like, "Ah, no!" <laughs> oh my gosh yeah dogs oh dogs what 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 we do for them <laughs> well adam it's been really fun to talk to you yes thank you for having me on this yeah. is great it's fun to do these interviews if only to like just get a reason to like talk to yeah definitely I, I work with for an hour yeah sure without it being like a zoom meeting <laughs> yeah right it's like all right well, we'll talk about this <laughs> um great well, um, if someone is looking for you online, I know they can they can book with you at schoolforthedogs.com slash Adam. 
Yes, um, yes, they can. And you're also uh, doing some classes these days, right? Are you teaching any classes? Right yeah, now? so I'm doing I'm doing uh, a lot of puppy kindergartens. I have one on Tuesdays, uh, soon to be two on Tuesdays, uh, and you've one been doing on them Sundays. Both in person and virtually, right? Uh, so in person, I do do virtually, just kind of like mm-hmm. when it's needed, or mm-hmm. or or if you know someone needs me to fill fill in for them. But um, yeah, but mostly in person. And then I'm also doing. I I if anyone is really interested in this class i am teaching bar core oh, it is right. it's a great class yeah i started off shadowing annie and i absolutely Me. yeah i shadow yeah i shadowed you when when, when yeah. i first was hired i was like just trying to fill my schedule with things and i'm like ooh, bar core i want to i want to p- maybe potentially teach that so i you know i oh yeah how I do definitely you describe shadowed. how do you describe our bar core to people so bar core right uh, uh play on words of parkour but mm-hmm. for dogs, right? So what so what we do, the main benefit of this class is to create obstacle courses for your dog, not only inside, but of course outside as well. It is a great class to be able to engage your dog's mind and body, specifically their core, using their body in different ways that they're not really accustomed to, and really having that um, satisfy exercise and satisfy some kind of enrichment that your dog may be craving, right? And of course, you know, when COVID hit, this was the class mm-hmm. to teach because I was able to say, oh, yeah, no, put that plunger over here or or, <laughs> or put this chair over here, right? And really give people um, the tips and tricks necessary in order to engage their dogs when they can't go to the dog park or maybe it's too too cold or maybe they're stuck inside for too long yeah. and their dog is about to rip off the paint in their walls right it definitely happens well that what's so cool about it i think is that like it's all stuff that you can do with like stuff in your apartment exactly in home at home pro- uh, like, stuff that just you can lying around that you could just use to get your like dog beer cans and broomsticks and yeah plunges. yeah and like plunges you know go or jump over a plunger jump inside of a box mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. oh yeah it's great and one of the things oh, one of the things that's uh, one of the things we we always love to teach is we start to build the foundation for like a handstand mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so we'll place you know something behind the dog and start to shape them for you know slowly backing up lifting up their paws oh yeah it's great Great class. I love teaching it. We just, we are, the first rotation is about to, that we brought back since COVID, uh, when we shut down in COVID, uh, just came back, um, highly recommended to anyone's dog that loves to move around, that's really motivated, or anyone that just wants to um, really engage their dog in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, it really gives you a lot of ideas. Actually, maybe I should get Jason, my husband, to take it because I think he, he like wouldn't think about training Poppy on his own. But Mm. when he has like the structure of a class, he he really like enjoys spending that time with her and seeing. Sure, sure. um, Anyway, Adam, such a pleasure. Yes. If you are interested in working with Adam, he has a puppy kindergarten, uh, six week class coming up, uh, starting March tenth. Another one on April sixth. You can book a private lesson with him at schoolforthedogs.com slash Adam. And he is also on Instagram at good underscore doggo 26. Thanks so much for listening. You can support School for the Dogs podcast by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, telling your friends, and shopping in our online store. Learn more about School for the Dogs and sign up for lots of free training resources on our website, schoolforthedogs.com. 